We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about a dominant win over the Knicks, 112-85. Just a beautiful night of basketball for the Nets. Good things happening in Brooklyn, Nick, if you count the Jacques Vaughn hiring as well, which we'll dive into also. Yes, you know, big news, obviously. A little bit of a surprise. I think some of us thought this could come to fruition, given how everything kind of slowed down with Ame Udoka. But we're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, let's start with that Jacques Vaughn stuff. Where do you want to jump into first? Yeah, look, Nick, I think I was in had initial surprise. But when I did the sort of solo recap and we heard from Mark sign those reports about him sort of saying that he was being urged to reconsider the Ime Yudoka hiring, which was basically all but confirmed from Adrian Wojnarowski and even Shams as well. So we pretty much of, did a podcast on it. <laughs> we literally did a podcast on it. Evergreen content, obviously. Um, but in, in saying that, the, the process to get there, look, I'm not – totally against this Jacques Vaughn hiring I've said like you know I don't think the Nets can he can be he can be the a head coach of a championship winning team but the way that they've been playing lately he's uh, certainly an upgrade over Steve Nash he obviously has familiarity with the organization he brings some good qualities but the upgrade you get from Ime Yudoka, it sort of feels like and we've been discussing this quite a bit and you know having a chat about it it feels like the Nets are trying to have their feet in the water in, in two different ends in the shallow end and the deep end so the sh- the shallow end is like right, let's let's just play it safe we might still do something here and contend with Jacques Vaughn as our head coach or the deep end let's just blow this up because Jacques Vaughn could still be our head coach for a rebuild as well it's it, it just feels like the the religion of winning and and the the process and what was being spoken to us as fans it, the way that the Nets go about some of their hirings and firings and roster moves and the Kyrie Irving stuff is just, it leaves a lot to be desired, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that's frustrating for fans is the Yudoka stuff being essentially leaked that it was almost a lock he was going to sign. And we even had reports, you know, he could potentially sign tomorrow. Maybe it's Thursday, whatever it is, you know, of last week. And then just kind of getting to this point, And now all of a sudden it's kind of taking those steps backwards. And then even some of the reporting, I think it was from Shams, you know, one of the reasons being this team unsure of Kyrie Irving's status and if they can compete in the Eastern Conference. So definitely... Fr- 
frustration. You know, I think there's definitely frustration going to the season. You thought at the very least, maybe this is the last run you'll get with, you know, Kyrie and KD for a championship. And right now, like you said, Jack, it's almost the in-between because Jacques Vaughn is a great coach to pivot with. You know, he can potentially push them, you know, on a deep playoff run, you know, see how he coaches, how he's kind of progressed as a coach. You know, obviously his career didn't start off well with the Orlando Magic. We saw some positives from him when he coached the team in the bubble. And we've heard a couple rumblings just about how he's simplified things and he's really connected with the players in the locker room and they've kind of bought into his mentality and his energy a little bit more. I mean, even just listening to Jock Vaughn the last four to five games on the sideline, you know, you hear him on the broadcast. He is clearly more vocal and active than Steve Nash has been. And, you know, that doesn't make you a great head coach being active, but the play on the court has improved drastically. You know, they face three bad teams and they have three blowout wins and they have one close loss to the Dallas Mavericks where they didn't shoot very well and they had a chance to tie it. And obviously Kevin Durant missed those free throws. So I think so far it's been very positive for Jacques Vaughn, but he still has to prove, you know, he can win a game against a great coach, against a great team. And that's going to answer more questions. And obviously whatever happens with Kyrie, will give us a more of a direction of what will happen with this team at the deadline. Because like you said, they could they could really pivot either way. Yeah, I think the the, the best the Nets can hope for is a sort of Frank Vogel, Ty Lue sort of situation. You know, Frank Vogel, former Orlando Magic head coach, leads the Lakers to a championship in the bubble, where Jacques Vaughn coincidentally replaced uh, Kenny Atkinson as head coach for, for the Brooklyn Nets as well. Or... You know, in the semblance of Ty Lue, who replaced David Blatt in the middle of the season and led the Cavs to a, a pretty successful season uh, themselves eventually. That's a pretty good comparison in my eyes, Jack, because a lot of things that you saw with that Cavaliers team in terms of not buying in the offense times being, you know, complicated or not being picked up by the players. Then you saw Ty Lue kind of come in and let the team lean into what they were good at and also allow them to kind of practice things that would help them succeed in the postseason. No, exactly. So... Look, there there are plenty of ways this can pan out. I think there is a warranted frustration from Nets fans, including myself. You know, I think you as well. We don't, uh, as we've both of us have said, we don't dispute that the probably MB, the the voices and the uh, that were being urged to Josiah were likely coming from the NBA. I think if you put two and two together, that there is things behind the investigation that we don't know. You know, we obviously know about everything that's been reported, but there is still probably plenty to unravel. And and maybe, you know, who knows? I met Ima Yudoka after the one-year suspension. Jacques Vaughn isn't the Nets head coach anymore, and Ima Yudoka is hired to be the Brooklyn Nets head coach. Who knows? It, it could pan out that way. But I see where they're coming from. I just think that, they shouldn't have gone so hard so early because it's just emblematic of how Joe Sy and Sean Marks and their decision-making as leaders of this franchise has been <laughs> catastrophic in some levels. Yeah, it's like they typically, you know, count their chickens before they hatch. You know, I think that's the saying. You know, you look back to last year with Ben Simmons, you know, constantly leaking. He's going to be ready for the playoffs. Maybe it's game three. Then all of a sudden he doesn't play, kind of creates his uproar. And I think that's you're setting an expectation for this thing to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And it's really because of what you've leaked. You know, this is because of what Sean Marks leaked and Joe Sy leaked. It wasn't really, you know, coming from Yudoka's team. And like you said, you know, I think even Nets Daily posted an article essentially hinting at that, you know, a lot of this was coming from you know, the commissioner's office and them not wanting the next Nets to sign a May. Um, there's also been just like some rumblings that 
it's nastier than what's been reported. And there's also a chance that, you know, the Nets hired a Doka, and next thing you know, a report comes out that's really bad. And now they're in, in between a rock and a hard place. And it's like, do they hire this guy and then they have to fire this guy? Like, I think it's a complicated thing. We also heard some concerns from, um, you know, female employees inside of the Nets organization. And I, I think that's fair. You know, you have to listen to all sides and see, you know, you don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. And obviously, he did, uh, May Udoka did something bad enough to be suspended for a whole season by the Celtics. And it's very hard for us to know what exactly went down, but all we can do is just kind of react to what we know. Yeah, and look to sort of, I also think that, you know, why was Quinn Snyder so easily discounted and why was it just Ime Udoka that the Nets yeah. were all in on and they were vetting? You know, because Quinn Snyder is a, is a, one of the better... Probably the weird thing him. was he was initially mentioned when Steve Nash was first fired. There was at least one or two tweets saying that, you know, Quinn Snyder could be looked at and then nothing came of it. Yeah, and but it's just like, okay, so why are you putting all your you know eggs in the basket for Ima Yudoka, who has plenty of controversy behind him that he's brought upon himself? And look, we got reasons from Shams as well. You know, the reasons why the Nets didn't hire Yudoka per Shams and, and his article for The Athletic. The investigation taking longer than initially expected. Stephen A. Smith said that Kyrie Irving was basically, you know, everything that's happening with him is is the reason why he didn't get the job. The outcry after the plan became known to people outside and inside the organization. And then short and long-term questions around the team's ability to contend after the suspension of Irving. That reason there, Nick, is the one that we were sort of t- touching on at the start. It's just like, well, where are you as an organization? Where, what is our direction right now? Because as fans, we feel invested in every single play that this team has. We have the, the reason why we're called fans is, is because we are fanatical about this team. You and I and thousands and millions of others around the world love this Brooklyn Nets team. We deserve to know, are we like a Utah Jazz Orlando Magic sort of thing? We, let's try and get tank for Wembenyama. You know, we only have the we have to swap with the Rockets this year, but they're going to be pretty bad as well. Or are we going to be, you know, a, a Philadelphia 76ers, a Boston Celtics, where, like, let's go in on all this. Let's trade Joe and Seth and get an upgrade there, or let's get a Miles Turner or whatever else it might be. It's the lack of direction is, is a bit puzzling, and it shows the lack of, you know, strong leadership from Joe Sy and Sean Marks. Yeah, I think that's, uh, if you look at it, Jack, it's like, we won't really know what this team is planning to do, at least for the course of the season, until the trade deadline passes, because they could be selling, you know, off their star players, or they could be looking to add a fringe star or the final pieces of the roster. And like you said, I think that's where a lot of frustration comes in as a fan. And and I'm not defending the organization, but they are definitely caught in a, a weird situation with the whole Kyrie thing, because if Kyrie doesn't come back or, you know, they aren't able to come to terms and there's not really a ton of clarity on that situation from the Nets. There's also been rumblings that he has to be okayed from the NBA to come back. I, I haven't seen that directly reported, but I saw some people tweeting about that. So it's like they're really just it's kind of up in the air. And it's it's also frustrating is because Kevin Durant is playing at such a high level. And, you know, he, he's really, truly leading this team. And you'd hate to see a season like that wasted, especially in Brooklyn with this Nets team. You know, you want to hopefully handle whatever you can with Kyrie and you guys can come to terms and Kyrie can get back on the court and really bind to this team and play the way they've been playing. Because you can see, you know, some of the talent and the success they could potentially have. You know, it's hard to see them winning a championship with all the issues that have happened this year. But it's clear they're still talent and they haven't even touched, you know, what their peak would be. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you're starting to empathize a little bit with Kevin Durant's frustrations in the offseason with Steve Nash and Sean Marks primarily. You know, since Steve Nash has been fired, Kevin Durant's been playing like he's 25 years old MVP sort of level. I mean, I could argue this is like one of the best like stretches of Katie's career in terms of like he is just like the dominant force of the team. Like everything is running through him. This is like, you know, not to say Katie's never been a superstar, but this is like that, you know, best player in the world. I'm controlling the entire team and everything's kind of going through me. And that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing Jacques Vaughn really excel in utilizing one of the best players in the world. Yeah. I really like how he has coached these sort of couple of games. Again, you know, it gets pretty inferior competition, but the way he's instituted certain systems and plays for playing KD out of the post a lot and, and initiating a lot of actions through there, he does deserve a lot of credit because, you know, with Nash, it was just vibes, you know, run the ball out there, even some improvement from Ben Simmons tonight, but we'll get to that in the recap. I think I'll, I'll get to a couple of quotes from Sean Marks as well as Jacques Vaughn himself, which I think everyone's probably heard. But Sean Marks on the hiring, he said, like all other searches we've done, whether it's front office or coaching staff, it's never appropriate to talk about who may or may not have been a candidate for this job. All I can tell you is there was an exhaustive search. We've been through candidates and we'll leave it at that. Now, I'm not sure how much cap my Kiwi guy is 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 spewing there, but it's a, it's a large cap. It's, it's a big hat, Nick. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Sean Marks has been doing up there, <laughs> you know, just kind of trying to slide through and kind of finagle his way through all of these different questions without, you know, truly answering them. I'll get to Jacques Vaughn's hilarious quote, and I, <laughs> I think some of it is like, my guy, have a bit of self-respect, please. But he said this, I guess that I was the writing candidate in the minds of the elections right now. But I'm okay with that. I said to my wife, I might not have been her first choice and we've been 20 years together now. So, you know, it could all work out. Come on, Jacques, mate, have a, have a <laughs> bit of self-respect. But as I think uh, Doug or someone in our, in my mentions is sort of say, has said, you know, there is now, for those that might not know, my full name is Jacques and the yep. head coach of our organization is Jacques. And we have a Nick, Nick, Nicholas, let's call him Nicholas Claxton. We have our <laughs> own Nicholas here on the Brooklyn Buzz. So hopefully that bodes well for, for the Brooklyn Nets going forward, Nick. But I'll ask you what I sort of put out on, into the Twitterverse. And maybe I was a bit rash in doing so, but it's Twitter. So and Elon Musk is doing it now. So I might have <laughs> to be even more rash if I want to get that blue check mark. Uh, but in saying that, can the Nets win a championship with Jacques Vaughn as their head coach? The comparisons that we sort of made earlier and discussed could maybe fill me with a little bit more optimism than when I had a couple of hours ago upon waking up and seeing the announcement. But can the Nets win a, win a championship with Jacques Vaughn as their head coach, Nick? 
Yeah, I don't think they probably can win a championship with this roster, but I'm not sure many head coaches could. I think there's clear upgrades. I think what I would use as an example, if you if you assemble a great team, you know, they're not going to assemble the team that they had two years ago, but you look at that team, that team would have won a championship with Steve Nash as head coach. And I think it's pretty clear, you know, Steve Nash is one of the bottom five head coaches in the league. So Jacques Vaughn, in my opinion, has proved that he's at least average and maybe there is progress. And I think there's a underrated connection he has with this team. You know, it seems like just just because of the difference in buy-in that we've seen over the course of the Nash stint and the Vaughn stint. And some of that could just be, you know, fresh face, fresh voice. You know, that does happen with teams. But I think Nash, I mean Nash, I think Vaughn could potentially win a championship, but it would have to be a very good roster. You know, it would have to be a roster that you'd look at and say, you know, this is, you know, a title favorite or a team that one of the top five teams in the league. And I think with this current set of players and how they're playing, I don't think that they're there. I'm specifically looking at, you know, Ben Simmons, the lack of backup five, and also, you know, the big mystery of Kyrie Irving and also the level of buy-in and style of play that Kyrie's going to have when he comes to the court. And we'll probably touch on him a little bit more so in the recap, but you can see some of the difference in the style with Irving not being on the floor. Definitely. Um, and we'll touch on having a little bit as well as finish off with um, some of the stuff. I think Jacques Vaughn being hired now makes the 16th coach of color. I think 15th African-American yep. head coach in the association, which is awesome. And you know, the representation matters. And I don't think Jacques Vaughn got this just because he's an African-American man. I think he got it because you know, Ima Yudoka was is an African-American man as well and was was strongly rumored. And on, we had our thoughts on, on some other candidates too. But that's a, a really cool thing. Um, any other sort of Jacques Vaughn stuff, Nick, before I guess we get to... Oh, the final thing I wanted to mention, you shared a tweet with me, I believe it was Alex Schiffer reporting that the Nets could uh, make an upgrade to the assistant coaching staff. One thing that I saw and I shared with you is that Adam Harrington quote tweeted the Shams report. Adam Harrington with strong ties to Kevin Durant before being let go almost mysteriously and just w without reason. Maybe he makes a return to Jacques Vaughn and the coaching staff and gets the good vibes going for KD as well. But hopefully that does happen because the Nets coaching staff and collective matters as much as the head coach itself. Yeah, I think uh, they probably have a good relationship, Jacques Vaughn and Adam Harrington, given that they were assistant coaches together from the Kenny, and Ak Kenny Atkinson days and up to last season. You know, so there there obviously is a rapport there. Like you said, it, it'd be great if they brought in, you know, Harrington or even, you know, another well-known coach that could kind of just give another great voice. Maybe on Frank Bogle, we, we yeah. sort of alluded to earlier as well, like. You know, Jacques Vaughn has had his issues when we were sort of talking about the defense at the start of the year, but now it seems to me that there is a bit more engagement. I think it's more just the way that the roster is constructed now and the starting five and such, which has been performing really, really, you know, ably. In I the think there's also more definitive, like, idea of what the players need to do. We've seen less miscommunication over the course of the last couple games where that still was a pretty big issue early in the year. Definitely. In relation to Kyrie Irving, we did hear that. I got Mark... one more note on Jacques Vaughn too, Jack. Go, mate. This, this is just like, and I, I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach or anything like that, but I think it's fair to give Jacques a, a chance moving forward, given like he could have been being a great assistant and Steve Nash was just the one in charge. So it's like if you work a job and your manager is trash, but you're a really good worker, 
it doesn't matter because the entire team needs to kind of succeed and that leader and that leadership needs to be successful for you to be at your best. And now Jacques is able to kind of take on that new role and potentially grow and showcase more of his ability and have more control. And, you know, I think one simple thing that we've seen Jacques Vaughn do substantially better than Steve Nash is called timeouts. You know, yeah, we saw, sure. saw the Knicks go on an early 5-0 run. I think it was in the third quarter or something like that. Timeout 44 seconds in. Like, Steve Nash was never doing that. And that's a huge factor. And that's a big reason the Nets were able to kind of hold the Knicks off from even getting it within 10 the entire second half. Yeah, it's him showing a, a level of engagement and leadership and control of the team and, and control of the game in terms of how he can impact it. And also, he is vocal, like you like yeah. you alluded to, Nick, and he's sort of yelling out, like, you know, get in sets, move the ball. He's animated, which, you know, can sometimes the histrionics can be a bit too much, but you know, we saw Steve Nash essentially do that for the last two weeks of his tenure, and that's about it. You know, other than yep. that, he was relatively stoic and the... The, the, the clapping was his best skill as as the Brooklyn Nets head coach in, in his tenure with the organization. But yeah, I'm, I've am i had my reservations and I still do. But as I've said with so many other things, if it means that the Brooklyn Nets are successful, I'm more than happy to be wrong. And I want Jacques Vaughn to be successful because I want the best for this Brooklyn Nets uh, team going forward. And, and I hope he has success and I hope the team does too. Yeah, I would say I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic. You know, I'm not expecting him to be an elite coach, but I'm expecting him to potentially make progress throughout the year. And I think one thing with Jacques Vaughn, uh, Joe Harris mentioned this with an interview, I think maybe it was the New York Post, talking about how they have shoot around and they go over, you know, the game plan and stuff. And it's not just the coach spewing out ideas. It's really making sure the players understand, you know, what he's looking for from them. And at times... That could arguably be an issue with Steve Nash, you know, even looking at Cam Thomas talking about how Nash never really talked about talked to him about why he wasn't playing or and, what his role was with this team or even just playing him in general. And Kyrie Irving, Nick, we got the report from Brian Lewis about the fact that Kyrie Irving you know, yeah. was he was calling out plays Steve Nash was and Kyrie Irving was essentially just ignoring him and running the complete opposite of plays, according to NBA scouts, <clears throat> Joe Sy. Um, in, 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 <laughs> different people um, in, and such. So the, that sort of disconnect and you know Steve Nash saying he lost to players and, and that sort of thing. But again, Kyrie Irving now, Nick, he, uh, Sean, Mo Sean Marks did give an update saying, I have talked to his representatives at the appropriate time when we do talk. And if there's an update to share, I will certainly share it. Jacques Vaughn hasn't spoken to him either. It's... It's not, and, and Vaughn said it was more so because he was the interim head coach, and now that he's head coach, he thinks that he will likely reach out to him. And I think Jacques Vaughn will probably have a, a pretty relatively easy rapport. He seems quite personable in terms of there. There's a warmth to him, and there's an engagement, there's a charisma to him that sort of Steve um, Sean Marks was alluding to in terms of some of the qualities they want out of the head coach. But I also think that this Kyrie Irving stuff. The longer it goes on, I think the worse that the Nets look. Because as I alluded to in, in some of my solo recaps, you know, the NBA Players Union, we've now heard the fact that he's had the meeting with Adam Silver. It seems to me that Kyrie Irving is ticking all the boxes in terms of the measures. And despite the fact that some people are, are thinking the measures are too exhaustive and they are purposely exhaustive so Joe Sy can push Kyrie Irving out the door, the, the sort of last dot point or two is essentially meeting with 
you know, Joe Sy and such, which seems, again, as I've said, a little bit rich given his history when it comes to human rights and uh, equality and such around the world with with his business dealings and, and his ties and, and such. Do your research, guys, if you want to sort of um, have a think about that. But in, in saying that, it doesn't obviously just exclude every all the bullshit that Kyrie Irving has done um, the, the past couple of weeks. So uh, we should see Kyrie Irving soon is, is my guess, Nick. And how he integrates himself with the team going forward, it's going to be on him because the way that the vibes are now with Kevin Durant, you know, I think Kevin Durant might even be a little bit frustrated with like, you know, him sort of taking the attention away from just going out there and hooping. You know, he, he wasn't annoyed by it initially, but now in the absence of Kyrie Irving, we're seeing the, the Nets rally around Kevin Durant in a way that is really awesome to see. You know, he's hugging Joe Harris, there's smiles, there's trash talking, you know, and it's just... Kevin Durant the, as the lone superstar is is just so much fun to watch as a Nets fan. Kyrie Irving brings so much talent, but also so much drama and controversy with him on and off the court. So it, we should see him soon. I hope we see him soon because the best version of the Nets means we have the most talent out there. And now is Jacques Vaughn initiating some, some cooler stuff on offense and defense. Adding in your second best player certainly isn't going to hurt that, but... Who knows? What are your, I guess, immediate Kyrie Irving thoughts as it stands, Nick, as we're recording? Yeah, I think, Jack, you look at it, like you said, you're hoping the solution kind of comes sooner than later. You know, figure out the situation and what the next step is. You know, you don't want this to linger. It doesn't benefit anybody. And you want to be able to kind of move forward with however you want to move forward. And in terms of Kyrie on the court, I think it's important for him to buy in of playing off of Kevin Durant and playing off of the system where he can still be excellent. You know, we've seen him have some of his best seasons playing alongside James Harden, playing alongside LeBron James, where he really was more of the quote-unquote sidekick or the the second star. And I think that's where he could be utilized. And then, you know, Kyrie can cook with some of the second units and things like that because that's kind of been, you know, more of an issue. You know, we saw in the Mavs game where they, they kind of needed more of a punch. So that's where he could be really good. And I think defensively, playing your role. I think that's something that's frustrated me with Kyrie Irving since he's joined the Nets is, you know, this going rogue thing where he goes for steals or he tries to overhelp where it's just like stick to what you're supposed to do on the court. And I will just make one more note. I thought it was interesting. We heard Shams report this, I believe yesterday that the relationships need to be sorted out, not only between yeah. Kyrie Irving and management, but also the locker room. So take that for what you want to take that. This is coming from Shams who typically is getting a level of information from players be it Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. So like you said, there there could be frustration with Kyrie and just some of the stuff. And I think as a teammate, the thing is maybe you're not as upset about the mistake if he just comes out and says sorry rather than kind of dragging it along and doubling down in that second press conference. And like you said, the Nets have probably gone overboard, in my opinion, on you know the list and the things in Kyrie, which he has to do. I think telling someone they need to do- donate $500,000 does not make any sense like in any way. And to an organization that a lot of people have spoken about smarter than us and more in the know than us that has... You know, it's a bad look for the Nets, and it looks like a situation where they didn't do their research because there's a they're asking for money going to a questionable organization and meeting with questionable leaders. I, I don't know enough to speak in concrete terms. Like you said, Jack, a lot of people have kind of dug a little deeper and have more knowledge about that than you and I, but that that's just a bad look for the Nets. Bad look for the Nets. But, you know, and again, like you said, we're not saying Kyrie. Kyrie definitely needs to come out and apologize and do the proper steps. And I think some of the steps listed by the Nets make sense, but some of them are just 
too far. And yep. like we like you alluded to on the solo pod, it's more of Joe side trying to send a message. And it looks like he's starting to get backlash for sending that overboard message. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on Joe Sai are well known, but you you mentioned bad looks, and Kyrie Irving, you know, might be the president or king, yeah. whatever you want to call it, of bad looks. So, but we'll discuss Kyrie Irving going forward. Hopefully, he is in a Nets uniform, and all the stuff is taken care of behind the scenes. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But Nick, let's get to the game because it was an awesome win by the Nets. Good to see a nice little blowout. Kevin Durant with his 17th triple-double of his career. Maybe one of the, I love these complete games of Kevin Durant that you were sort of alluding to earlier, Nick, where he's just like, I'm going to do everything on both ends of the floor. You know, I'm going to guard the best player like he was doing against Luca. I'm going to play two way and just get a billion assists, get a billion boards, get to the free throw line. He's not even hitting his three ball yet. Like he's yeah. 10 and 19 from the field and he's one of five from three. Like, you were alluding to, like, is this most complete basketball that Kevin Rand's playing? No, because he's shooting the ball pretty shit from the perimeter, and that's saying something because other than that, he has been incredible. Yeah, this is kind of the most similar I've seen, not, like, stylistically, but in terms of, like, the role of the team in, like, comparison to, like, LeBron James, where, you know, when LeBron was at his peak in Cleveland, even when the star, like, Kyrie was no longer there, just everything kind of went from him, and he was just making everybody better. And he was getting so much attention from the defense. He was able to just hit some of these passes, like just hit some of the cuts to the paint for easy hoops, um, you know, to Claxton, to Joe Harris, guys in the perimeter. He just looks very in control. And he's also been awesome defensively. You know, I obviously wasn't able to do the Mavs recap, but that was an awesome performance to see him just kind of pick up Luka full court and really get in him and then also not want to switch and stay on him. And really, it looked like Luka was getting frustrated by KD. So credit him for just... Just in, you know, stepping up in every aspect on the court, off the court, whatever it is, he's been as good as you could have asked the last couple games. Yeah, people really, you know, discredit Kevin Durant's leadership, quote unquote. You know, he's not LeBron James and saying that he's heard Amigos in 2009 <laughs> when they haven't dropped a mixtape since 2011 or whatever it might be. But Kevin Durant, when he's on the court, there are a few players that I would rather get behind and, and follow into battle because he puts his heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears out there. If you're going against the New York Knicks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Washington Wizards, night after night after night, 
He shows that it matters. He well, he loves the game of basketball, and every single game and every single play matters. And again, like we alluded to earlier, the way that Jacques Vaughn has been utilizing him so he's not getting four to five different players on him at once, and when that does happen, he can hit guys like Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, and shout out to Seth Curry for a, a big bounce back game. You know, it just the team looks better when Kevin Durant is leading us in this fashion, and. It's as simple as that. Like he's playing MVP level basketball right now. He's not going to get that credit. You know, it's going to go to the wayside of the the controversy that's happening in Brooklyn right now. But Kevin Durant's been truly incredible. And you know, 29 points, 12 assists, 12 boards, a steal, two blocks, eight of 10 from the free throw line. I want to shout out his driving and his ability to get to the line, and also his rebounding. That's a facet that I think at the start of the year, I think he's like co-host on the podcast. Eddie Gonzalez was like, I have this like tall spindly dude is averaging like four boards at the start of the year and then suddenly he's like no nah, i'm getting everything like i'm making sure that we end these possessions and the team rebounding something that we've sort of alluded to like the net the nets destroyed the knicks tonight in terms of the total boards 55 to 46 and the knicks by nature are just a bit of a bigger sort of more physical team so the fact that the nets gang rebounding royce getting 10 himself ben getting nine himself and then five for sumner who's been really positive after a really hot start in that first half but yeah Kevin Durant man there's so many superlatives and we don't have the time to to continue to to sing our praises but there are plenty more that we haven't even touched on yeah I think he's kind of just playing bigger in general you know like you said on the boards being more physical but also defensively being you know more of a shot blocker and contesting and willing to kind of bang a little bit more down there with centers and I thought he did a pretty good job on Julius Randle you know in that first quarter probably let up a couple too many open threes but he was good on the drives and contesting and just forcing him to take some really bad shots and you know plus 32 tonight he was just he was just amazing out there and like you said the three balls not going down and to still shoot with the efficiency he did is kind of insane and also only the one turnover you know yeah. that he's been taking the ball taking care of the ball really well and i think again that's a product of his teammates, you know, being in the right spot and also coming around himself doing the right thing and making the right decisions when he's got the ball in his hands. But enough on KD, Nick. Who was the second best player for the Nets tonight? Was it Seth Curry in his massive bounce back game? Six of 11 from three, seven of 13 from the field, three of three from the free throw line, 23 points, had a steal, had a couple of assists and three boards as well. Yeah, it would probably be him. I think the runner up would be Edmund Sumner. We'll talk about him after, but Seth, just look confident, you know, missed his first shot. Then he hit like a contested mid-range shot. And anybody who's played basketball, sometimes getting back in rhythm, the contested shots are a little bit easier. You know, sometimes it's like getting that contact allows you to feel more into the game and just be more natural. And I think that really helped him. And then knocked down a couple threes and he was looking like the player we expected him to be. And, you know, 23 points in 23 minutes is huge. And just giving that scoring punch off the bench and somebody who can not create a ton on his own, but still create a little bit. You know, you saw a little chemistry with uh, Ben Simmons on some dribble handoffs and some pick and roll stuff like he has an ability to give that second unit a lot of offense that they desperately needed over the course of the first 10 games. Yeah, and I think he's got a, a nice handle when he's fit yeah. and, and healthy and stuff in comparison to someone like Patty Mills. Yep. And, you know, Cam, Cam Thomas Substantially be- better. Substantially better, and Cam Thomas, who's been, uh, you know, can be a little bit streaky, but I still think it was relatively positive tonight. But you know, it's it's so it it bodes well for the Nets, and I think you know, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. You alluded to that, Nick. You know, those two on the court together. If you look up the stats on PVP stats, I remember tweeting it out ages ago that they have really good synergy in their time in Philadelphia, and now that Seth is is getting going, you know. 
Ben's going to have, you know, a, a guy. I think you would just align pretty much all of their minutes together. That's what I would do if I were Jacques Vaughn. And some of his lineups, you know, the the old Paddy, Seth and Cam lineups leave a little bit to be desired. But overall, his, his rotation has been a lot better than Steve Nash. So, look. Great to see Seth Curry and this breakout game. Hopefully he continues to form going forward and, and the Nets continue to rack up the wins. Yeah, and I think there's even more opportunities for him to get open threes. You know, some of that was Cam Thomas missing him. Cam, who's who's improved a lot as a playmaker, so I'm not upset about that. But it's just like just getting the ball moving, I think, late in that third, early in that fourth at times, there were some more opportunities for him to knock down those threes. And it's it's going to be tough to defend the Nets, especially when they put like Joe Harris and Seth Curry in each corner. But just make yeah. a decision. And Joe's it's not money. really sh- shooting that well right now, but I mean, history says he will pick that up drastically. Yeah, and it's not like he's shooting awfully. It's just not that he's not shooting to his at normal elite level. Yeah, incredibly elite level, which is basically Seth Curry and Joe Harris are the two best shooters in the league. You know, statistically, other than you know Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Buddy Hield, those sort of guys. But you alluded to the ball movement, Nick. Thirty assists on four. 40- who made field goals. I think in the first half, you were tweeting out some numbers where it's just like, it's just, uh, you, you love to see it. You love to see that ball fizzing around, turning a good shot into a great shot. You know, they're attacking the paint. They're just playing quality, high IQ level basketball, turning good shots into great shots, putting the pressure on the on the defense by, you know, attacking and, and kicking out. You know, Cam did that, you know, uh, once or twice tonight. And, and he was... You know, it, beyond the box score, I think looked pretty good. And Edmund Sumner just, you know, the, if the three ball is falling for him, boy, oh boy, the Nets are going to be something special. Yeah, Jack, just getting to the point before we jump into Edmund Sumner about the drives and the kicks, that's been an offensive change. I don't know if that's just Steve Nash not kind of, you know, harping on that or Jacques Vaughn har- harping on that more, but you've just seen way more drive and kicks or drive and drop offs. And what that does is just force the defense in motion rather than be sitting still where we saw so many ISO heavy possessions in the, the course of the first 10 games or just, you know, actions between two players rather than the whole team being involved. And like, it's not like these guys are elite finishers at the rim, but they can do enough that puts pressure on the defense to just move. And Claxton's also done a nice job of being available for these guys around the rim. One guy who's been really good at those drive and drop offs has been Royce O'Neal. I think that's been an uh, area of his game that's impressed me. And we know Joe Harris isn't amazing at it, but it's something that he's capable of doing and just kind of getting the defense on the move. Yeah, he's not as springy as Royce in terms of his just athleticism, but yeah, he's just a bit more mechanical and just a bit slower. But he's still good enough and he makes the right decisions. But Nick, I've got a couple minutes, and I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't discuss, you know, obviously Edmund Sumner, but I think Ben Simmons. And early on, there were reservations, but he finished the game 24 minutes, 36 from the field, nine boards, four assists, two steals, a block, plus 18, six points. Had a put-back dunk, didn't look the best, uh, that's for sure. But, you know, there was the defensive play where he got the steal and it led to some open points for, for the Nets. You know, he can, if Jacques Vaughn, the way his principles seem to be, I think can unlock Ben Simmons in a way that will gradually get him back. And I want him to keep coming off the bench, align his minutes with Seth Curry, you know, give him some, maybe even a Cam Thomas or just an extra ball handler. Because I think when you just go from a low level, low, low level of expectation with the ball in his hands and just go, all right, just play defense, get some boards, rebounds, stand in the dunking spot. Patty might dump something off to you. Royce might dump something off to you and then get your confidence back. Cause we want you to be the best version of you. And there is, Again, as I've alluded to, mild signs. It was certainly much better than the Mavs game. 
Yeah, definitely. I think you're gradually seeing him physically improve. You know, you mentioned, you know, the putback dunk. It wasn't like a high fly or anything like that, but he was willing to go up there and get it. He went up and got a couple rebounds in this game. The sprint in transition that poked the ball out was huge, especially after he missed a layup. I think uh, he's also gradually learning how to play the center position. You know, there's times where he's just in a weird spot on the floor where he's not helping himself or helping his teammate. But as the game progresses, he's starting to get a better feel for that. And like you said, put him out there with Cam, Seth, Joe, man, you know, Utah when he's back healthy and give him like some good floor spacing. And I think that's when he can excel. But the one thing we'll know when Ben is back is when he takes the ball in transition and he just attacks the guy in front of him. That's that's yeah. really what's missing from him right now. Um, or attacks the rim in yeah. some form or fashion, yeah. It's like you have a center on you, and, and you know, Isaiah Hardenstein is a, a solid player, but take him to the rim, at least test him once or twice, and I think he's just not there with his body and his confidence and the physicality and also just the vertical isn't there. And the, the ability to kind of contort in the air the flexibility is still, he's still very tight, even though he looks athletic, but not to the peak in which we've seen in Philadelphia. Definitely. Uh, Nick, I wanted to obviously thank the Lords and thank all the gods, the basketball gods out there that Yusuf Watanabe's sprain isn't severe. Uh, we got news on that, which was great after getting the MRI. But give us the rest of your thoughts on on the guys from the rotation tonight. Clax, Joe, you know, all and. Patty, whoever else it might be, Cam. You know, we've touched on them, you know, in, in pieces, but give us your final thoughts on on the game and, and the guys that were out there. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Sumner. I thought he was great knocking out a couple threes to start this game. That's a huge factor for him in terms of his role for this team and also probably his career trajectory in the NBA. He's just very quick and he was able to kind of eat against Jalen Brunson. Uh, Claxton continues to improve and, you know, showcase that new physicality and his ability to finish inside and just, like I said, creep around and find the opening for those drop offs to get the easy dunks. The one thing that he's still got to clean up is the foul trouble. Occasionally just having a dumb foul here or there. Royce O'Neal was just kind of almost, you know, a part out there. Wasn't necessarily driving as much or shooting as much, but he was still a solid piece of this team. And I thought defensively he was very physical, kind of had the clamps on R.J. Barrett, did a nice job on Jalen Brunson when he got switched out there. Uh, Cam's continuing to kind of play that backup point guard role. You know, a couple times I actually thought Cam could have shot instead of passed, and that's not something, you know, you typically say about Cam Thomas. So there's progress there. Uh, Markeith Morris looks really bad, I think. That's definitely becoming a question mark if he should even play. And if the Nets should look to maybe replace his spot on the roster, uh, David Duke Jr. got a little bit of burn with the real rotation. Still, the lack of you know three-point shot hampers him. And defensively, a little, a little foul happy, but I thought some of the calls were meh. And overall, just happy with the way the team played, the style in which they played, You know, moving the ball, driving kick, setting screens off ball, constantly moving, looking to push and transition whenever they need to, and also making that second and third effort defensively. And another note, like they're scram switching, and that's essentially when you know you get a small switched onto a big. The Nets have done a great job of recovering there and switching off ball rather than letting the other team get an easy possession or just providing enough help where they're, they're not compromising their own offensive player but still able to have an influence on the ball handler. Yeah, shout out to the engagements and, and execution by the players of late. They've been doing a great job. And and the coaches, as you alluded to, as we've talked about earlier, about simplifying things and just getting the principles right and sort of you know, just m- making things understandable for all the guys across the roster so there is a semblance of consistency. But hopefully this momentum, the Nets can take it in through a, a West Coast trip the next couple of games. It'll be a tough one. You know, Clippers, Lakers, Kings and, and Blazers, you know, none of those games are going to be easy. But hopefully we get two or three wins, maybe even four. But 
Nick, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm just excited to see what they do on that West Coast trip, like you said, Jack. And, you know, hopefully there's a solution to the Kyrie situation. Maybe he could join the team when they come back or potentially even on the trip. And Ben Simmons continues to improve. Really looking forward to kind of see what happens with this team because it's a little bit of a mystery, you know, how how good they could potentially be with this group. But as always, a pleasure, Jack. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.